We want your feedback. Visit mos.org slash pulsar to fill out a five-minute survey and help us improve the podcast. Imagine a shark the size of a city bus, nearly three times the size of any shark living today. This prehistoric predator, called Megalodon, cruised our oceans millions of years ago. Last time, we found out what it ate and how we know so much about it with Dr. Catalina Pimiento, a researcher at the Paleontology Museum and Institute at the University of Zurich in Switzerland and Swansea University in the United Kingdom. On today's episode of Pulsar, the second part of my conversation with Dr. Pimiento, focusing on her research into the fate of the Megalodon. So uh, yeah, that was the next question. Uh, Why did they go extinct? What made them disappear? When I started studying these species, there were different hypotheses out there about this. And one of them was that, for example, it became too large to be sustainable and to be able to live and it became extinct. So a friend of mine, when I was a grad student, Megan Bolk and I, we did a study in which we analyzed whether or not the species was increasing in size. And we found that actually there's no increase in size through time. So sometimes it was bigger, smaller, bigger, smaller. It was static at the end of the day. So body size didn't change. So it didn't simply evolve to be too big to survive. What other ideas were out there? Another hypothesis was that It lived in warm waters and during the Pleistocene and the end of the Pliocene, the glaciations made the water too cold for these species to live and then prey moved and Megalodon couldn't follow them. But we also showed that temperature didn't really affect the distribution of these species. And a person who I collaborated with once and that I think is, is a really great researcher, Umberto Ferron, did a couple of other studies in which he tested the hypothesis of these species being mesothermic. That means being able to regulate the body temperature of its most important parts, like body parts, like the brain, the stomach, the eyes. That makes sense because other species like big, large, macropredatory sharks in the same order have that ability. And he used uh, stable isotopes and made different comparisons. And long story short, (laughs) multiple lines of evidence suggested that this species was indeed mesothermic. So when you're mesothermic and you can regulate your body temperature, you can live in cold waters. And that's why the gray white can also go to colder waters. So it wasn't colder water temperatures either. What hypothesis did you move on to next? We proposed initially the causes of the excision had to do with biotic or biological reasons. One could have been declining prey. That has been studied for a long time, and a lot of people have proposed before that around the time that megalodon became extinct, there was a decline in the diversity of cetaceans. So a decline in cetaceans, less whales to eat. I could see how that could lead to megalodon's extinction. And the other cause that we thought of could have been the appearance of potential competitors like the orca or the evolution of the gray white. So maybe it was outcompeted for prey. How did you go about testing these ideas? When I did my first postdoc and I decided that I couldn't be so focused on one species anymore and I needed to look at the whole community, we did this study actually here in Zurich where we looked at first if megalodon had gone extinct or if it was part of an extinction event in which other species went extinct. So we knew that cetaceans were also declining and we knew that There was, once upon a time, a giant aquatic sloth. Imagine that. An aquatic sloth? Giant. Massive. And it also became extinct. 
there were also sea turtles and seabirds that went extinct. So we were like, it looks like the marine megafauna was in uh, some trouble. <laughs> so let's explore this hypothesis. So maybe there was a bigger event that caused many extinctions and the megalodon's disappearance was part of whatever that event was. Exactly. We collaborated with a team of brilliant people, and one of them was Daniele Silvestro, who is also here in Switzerland, and he develops software to analyze fossil occurrences, accounting for sample size and preservation. And he's very, very clever with these things. And he has this method where we calculate extinction rates based on fossil occurrences. So we use his method, and it turns out that the Pliocene had very high extinction rates compared with the background Cenozoic value. So there was a spike in the extinction rates. Not quite a mass extinction event, but significant. Significant enough that you can measure it in the fossil record after millions of years. How many species went extinct? One third of the genetic diversity of the marine megafauna became extinct around this time. Wow, that's still a lot of extinctions. That is quite a lot. Not only megalodon, but then many, many species, and that includes mostly species of marine mammals, as we had predicted. Uh, Some sharks, sea turtles, and so on. That definitely sounds like something that greatly affected a whole series of ecosystems. What could have caused these extinctions? So one of my collaborators and actually one of my mentors in paleontology, Carlos Jaramillo, who is at the Smithsonian, he said, I think it has to do with area. I think it has to do with area because... You know, at that time, there were changes in temperature, but those changes translated into changes in sea level. So why don't you assess how much area was lost whenever you had increases on decreases of sea level? So these changes in sea level around the same time that these extinctions took place are well known. And there are many curves out there that scientists have used for many years. And they just show how striking it was, the changes of sea level at the time. It was crazy. So you can imagine that the sea level was increasing, decreasing, increasing, decreasing. And when the Pliocene started, it was just crazy. It was mad. It was violent increases and decreases. And it was completely crazy. So I collaborated with Sara Varela, who is at the Naturkunde Museum in Berlin. And she did something really cool and really clever. And she took the ocean for each time in which we had this sea level curve, and she calculated the depth of each cell in the ocean at that particular time. And then she calculated how much area would have been lost having these changes in sea level. And what we found is that the aftermath of these violent sea level oscillations translated into area loss. So area underwater, coastal habitats that are so productive, where all of these animals live was not available anymore. So tracing this extinction spike to coastal, shallow water areas disappearing led you to the cause of megalodon's extinction, loss of habitat. Sounds a lot like what we're trying to prevent today with human activity and climate change affecting our entire planet, including habitats like the ocean. So the exact same reason why we lost a third of the marine megafauna is what we're doing to habitats today. Not in the same way, because what you rightly say, climate change, but what it does is increase the sea level and so on, and that's terrible, and that is causing many, many extinctions. But habitat destruction is something that really directly affects species. And we saw it in only a few million years ago when when the marine megafauna became extinct. Having a place to live a habitat is fundamental, and that's something that we learned from this extinction of animals, but also 
something that was quite revealing was that we used to think of the animals that we have today or the marine megafauna that we have today as something that we inherited in a pristine way. So this is the marine megafauna, we have it, and now we're starting to destroy it. But actually, they should be recovering from an extinction event that happened only a few millions of years ago, because this extinction event took place between three and two million years ago. So, you know, it takes millions of years to recover from an extinction event. In absence of humans, these animals who survived this extinction, so not megalodon, but the ones that did survive should be recovering, but obviously they're not because we're facing an even bigger extinction today. So I guess the other lesson is that this fauna is already fragile, is already vulnerable because it's already depleted. Well, definitely lots of reasons to try and reverse the impacts we're seeing, not just for today's sharks, but for the entire ocean. Absolutely. They are so important, right? I mean, the extinction of these animals produce cascading effects that go down in the food web. So the loss of a shark or the loss of a big mammal or or an apex predator is, is catastrophic. So we really don't want this to happen. So we really hope that action is taken. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Dr. Pimiento, for answering our many questions about the megalodon. Thank you for having me. It was really, really fun to talk about all these questions. That's it for this episode. Until next time, keep asking questions.